welcome to this edition of Demystifying Finance. The aim of this session is to leave you with a better understanding of your finances and how that can tie into the achievement of your goals. I'd like to think that, that you'll pick up at least one topic that resonates with you so that you can actually adopt that, do something different, and that will make uh, a better outcome for you. Um, there'll be plenty of time for questions at the end. Uh, so let, without further ado, let me introduce myself. So my name is Azim Karimji. My business is called the EPS Partnership with the rather grand strapline of enhancing profits through strategy. Um, because I've been a strategist for most of my career, as you can see below. I'm an engineer by training, as a, have an MBA from the London Business School, did some strategy consulting, worked for a large FTSE company, FTSE 30 company called Bass PLC. Those of you with long memories may remember that name, but they were demerged a long time ago. And more recently, I've been finance director of ProLogic, which is where I got used to running the business, the accounts and the, the finances for small businesses. Um, and now I'm a part-time finance director for uh, small companies that can't justify a full-time finance director. And the premise behind that is if you're anxious to grow your business, it's as well to get your finances in order so that they're not a hindrance, they're actually supporting you as you go. So uh, there are more details on my LinkedIn profile, of course, of what I've done in the past. So why is finance important at all? Um, Essentially, it's about keeping track of your income and expenditure, which is not rocket science. Um, but, and, and why do you have to do that? Well, essentially, it's because you have to ensure that you have enough cash to meet your debts as they fall due and pay the right amount of tax. Those things are quite important because, as the rather frightened looking gentleman at the, on the right hand side suggests, there are quite significant penalties if you don't get those two things right, or potentially significant penalties. But for me, actually, the important thing is the bit at the end. If you've got your finances and you're tracking it properly, it allows you to plan ahead. And if you can't plan ahead, I would argue that meeting your goals becomes impossible. So how do you align your finances and your goals? The first thing you have to do is to actually define your goals. Now, this is important. Um, the goals can be... Um, whatever you like, they can, they're, they're personal. They could be about money, they could be about quality, they could be about your time. But if you don't know where you're going, how will you know which way to go? And how will you know when you get there? So it's important to have some goals. And the, for me, the critical thing is to be specific, right? Preferably write them down because that then enables you to plan, right? And so once you've got the goals and you're clear about what you're trying to achieve, then you need resources and you need to marshal those and organize them to deliver whatever those outcomes are. So you have to plan how to use those resources. Once you've got a plan in place, you can actually set yourself some targets, some budgets, and those are milestones on the way to that success. And then the finance comes into, uh, is how you pull all this together because it's essentially finance is how you keep score. Am I winning or losing? Right? So anything you're doing, if you're, Talking about goals, you want to service a certain number of customers, you want to organize certain suppliers or have certain costs. All of them come down to a financial number. And so actually, if you're monitoring that closely or, or, or sensibly, then it is actually keeping score. And you can tell whether you're succeeding or not. <clears throat> so, for example, if you want to finance some additional customers and you think, well, hang on a minute, I'm probably going to need some extra software before I can deal with that many more customers. Well, how do you know if that's a good decision or not? Should you just invest in the software and see what happens? No. If you've got a financial plan, you can actually measure the outcome and, of that decision and, and make the, the, the plan accordingly. So if we start with the goals, right, plan for success. Now, does anybody recognize this gentleman? If you do, you're probably older than I thought. But if you do, you also probably know what I'm about to say. So it's Benjamin Franklin, and this, this phrase is attributed to him. Right? But it actually sums up very neatly, because if you, as I said in, in the previous slide, if you don't have that plan, you don't know which way you're going. So for me, there are three elements to a new plan, right? 
what do you what so in terms of what you have to do to define or to have the success that you've just defined? The first is your customers understand what they want, and so um, and that's that that that's going to be an element that takes time, um, and then obviously what you've got to do to, in order to deliver what they need. And then critically from finance perspective, make sure that this combination is viable. And what do I mean by viable? Well, we'll come on to that in just a minute, but essentially it's making sure that the combination means you're not gonna end up going bankrupt. So if you're actually spending more money than that, than you're bringing in, obviously that doesn't work. So let's just talk about viability. Right. It's time for another character, and again, most of you might well recognize this gentleman, um, but the reality is that Dickens actually summed up viability beautifully, and again, you may well have seen this thing before. Um, so his take was, if your annual expenditure is 20 pounds, income is 20 pounds, and your expenditure is 19 pounds, 19 shillings and sixpence, the result, excuse me, whoop, I've lost it. Let's try that. The result is happiness. If your annual income is twenty pounds and your expenditure is twenty pounds and sixpence, the result is misery. And and that's essentially what we do. So so what we're comparing is your income, your turnover, revenue, um, income, money coming in essentially, and excuse me. Obviously, we all want more of that. But it's not a tap that can turn on. You basically have to work on the two levers that define how much income you have. And that's either the number of customers or the spend per customer. Now, or the price that you charge them. But traditionally, it's a lot more difficult to change the spend per customer because you put your price up, you scare some people off. So generally, your better lever is the number of people that you can try and attract. And we'll come back to that later. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, obviously, to incur or to generate that revenue, you need to incur some costs. That's money going out, expenses, spending. And the critical thing here is they come in two forms. They're what we call fixed costs, which are the ones that are incurred whether you sell anything or not. It's the cost of doing business. And typically, they're things like your phone, broadband, which you pay on a regular basis. If you're a member of a professional organization, there's likely to be a subscription. You probably have insurance of some sort to pay. These costs come, uh, come in whether you achieve any business or not. And then obviously there are variable costs, which are things you incur each time you sell something. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the key thing is how do those contrast and how do you make sure that you're breaking even and the concept there is essentially how many customers do you need each month to make money? Now, I'm gonna talk through a hypothetical example to try and make this a bit more tangible, right? So let's now consider this hypothetical business. It provides a bespoke service to each customer, i.e. it's not just that somebody orders something from off the shelf. You have to prepare for each customer and typically each project takes eight hours to deliver and you charge a fee of 400 pounds. As the principal, you want to earn 2,000 pounds a month, and each project requires you to buy in goods or services worth 60 pounds. Your regular fixed costs, your outgoings of phone, broadband, insurance, etc., are around 350 pounds a month. If you lease your computer, that would be part of that cost, right? And so if we think about this hypothetical business, right, what does its performance look like? Well, obviously, the first question in terms of turnover is how many customers. And for the moment, let's just assume eight customers. We can come back to that in a minute. How did I get that number? Why that number? But if you, if you had eight customers, we've defined the spend per customer. So you have turnover of £3,000 a month or £3,200 a month. On the cost side, we said that the fixed costs were the salary for the principal of £2,000. And I'm not at this point considering things like national insurance that might be paid if it's a salary. Let's just consider that they're drawings that you want to take out of the business. And there are those costs of 350 pounds. Again, that's what we've assumed. So the total cost is 
2350 and our variable costs are 480 pounds a month, eight projects at 60 pounds a month each. So in terms of, if total cost is 2,830, and you can see that this business will be making a small amount of money each month, so it should be in a good place, all right? So if I, if I turn to, what do I mean by break even? So it's making this, but what we mean by break even is what's the minimum level of business that you need to, to deliver in order to make ends meet? So to do that, you consider first what the business actually earns for every project. So because we have turnover of 400 pounds, less the variable costs of 60, the business earns 340 pounds for every project that's sold. Okay? We have fixed costs that are 2,350, right? Which means the break-even point is seven projects per month. It's the 2,350 pounds divided by the 340 pounds that we get each time we do a project. That comes to 6.9, rounded up to seven. So the break-even point is seven customers a month. And for every one extra, you make 340 pounds more. Because that's 300, once you get, if you had an extra project, so your eighth project, you earn the 340, you have no more fixed cost. So the question then becomes, how do I get the right number of customers? And in terms of thinking about customers, right, first question is, well, what does it take to get an extra customer? Yeah. You know, you want one more customer, what's involved? The first thing is obviously prospects. How many prospects do you need to see? Marketing is key here. How do you get more customers you market? You get more inquiries. But the question is, how many of those inquiries do you need to see to get one customer? Especially when, given that we've decided this is a specific a project, uh, specific business it's not a cookie cutter so a one that's the first question and the other question is how much time does it take to deal with each prospect so in the business that i just described you may have three prospects right but you've got to talk to each one to find out what they want then you've maybe got to make a proposal then you've got to talk them through that in order to see if they're going to sign up with you so there's a certain amount of uh preparation time uh and selling time involved and all of that needs to get added to the, to the time that we decided to deliver a project at the beginning, which we, I think you said was eight hours. So actually each customer is more work than you think. Um, and again, to make it sort of substantive, let's turn that into some assumption. Let's make some assumptions about our hypothetical business to see how that makes, to make it something more tangible. So let's assume that you can go one in three. I mean. We can talk about this in the chat afterwards. Is that a reasonable proportion? You know, do you find you have to, to see many more people to get a paying customer? And my guess is, based on what I just described, that it would take probably about four hours to prepare for each prospect. You identify, get an inquiry, talk to them about what they might do, you write a proposal, you have to chat afterwards, they ask you to tweak something. So if we make those two assumptions, then actually, it takes 12 hours to win a customer, in addition to the eight hours to deliver the project. So now, if you're having to do this on a, because depending on your service, people may not be repeat customers, or they may not be repeat customers regularly, and because it's a bespoke project, you have to talk to them and, and do the marketing each time. So in, in principle, actually, um, each project takes two and a half days to complete. And now your eight projects that we had assumed, actually, that's your whole 20 day, typical 20-day month taken up. So does that mean that actually the business is stuck and you can't go anywhere else? Well, let's look at what you actually spend your time on. Right? So in this, sorry, just to summarize the hypothetical business, it's doing okay, principal is earning their target, right? You've got a small surplus, but there's no time to do all the things that, that need to get done. Now, in practice, we know that's not true because in the real world, if we didn't have more or if we had more or less customers, then we would simply earn more or less that month. We have flexibility. And when it comes to time, as we all know, right, if we need more time, there are always evenings and or weekends, which uh, I'm sure we're all used to doing and spending time on. But in terms of planning, you want to avoid that because then you end up chasing your tail. So what I'm going to suggest is let's look at the actual business of 
managing your time? What do you spend your time on? Right? Because now, we've, we've, as we've just identified, that time is actually your scarcest resource. We tend to focus on the money, the finance, but actually that time is the scarcest resource. And, and I, I think my argument is that we need to be prepared to actually pay for some services maybe um, in order that you have time to deliver or to put where it's most needed. So if I think about customers, which is the key part of this, Marketing is essential, um, but from my point of view, that's where you can have experts like Theo to come in and support you, to drive web traffic to your website, to help with your direct marketing, to make sure you get the level of inquiries that you want. Right? So you're not spending time chasing up inquiries. Your focus is on the second part, the selling, because that's where nobody can sell your business like you can. Nobody can explain what you do as well as you do. So that's where you need to focus your effort and making those proposals, converting the prospects into customers. That would be a better use of the time than spending a lot of time doing direct marketing or doing marketing campaigns that other people could help you with if you're, if you're short of time. So obviously because you're going to have, if you have some suppliers, then you're going to need to spend some time managing them. But again, if you get the right suppliers, if you can focus on getting what they need, build relationships with them, then hopefully they don't take a lot of time. Now, the next obvious thing that you have to spend your time on is actually delivering the work. And traditionally, everybody says, well, of course, I've got to do that bit because that's what I do. But I would argue again, that especially when you start to say, actually, I don't have as much time as I need. I need to focus my efforts. Think about how a project is structured, how your work is structured. Can you subcontract certain elements of it so that actually you have more time to put back into building more customers. Um, and, and that obviously depends on the specifics. Happy to talk about in, that in the chat. But I think the, the key point is if you do subcontract something, remember that you don't get all of that time back. So if it was something you spent three hours of the project's time on, but you're now going to get somebody else to do it, which frees you up, um, you're probably going to need at least half an hour of that time to monitor the subcontractor, to make sure they're properly briefed, to check the quality of their work. So it's not a, a straight swap, but hopefully does free up time and allow you to focus on it. And of course, last but not least, there's the dreaded administration. You do have to keep records so that you can keep score. You can't keep that score without, without doing that. So, um, from my point of view, how do you make that finance keeping, if this is what we're trying to do, focus our time to be able to service customers, et cetera, how do you make that timekeeping simple? And my take on that is you focus on cash, right? I don't have a little character to introduce this next saying, but I'm sure you've all heard it. Turnover is vanity. It's nice to have, but it doesn't actually mean a great deal. Um, profit is sanity. It means actually you are making some money but cash is reality, right? So if you can organize your affairs so you track the cash, then actually you know exactly where you stand, right? At any point in time, you know where you stand. So you have to do that administration to make sure that you are tracking your cash. But that then gives you a, a hopefully a very simple means of, of, of keeping track. And my argument is actually a business bank account is all you need. A lot of people don't bother with the business bank account and put money into their own um, account. But then you've got terrible difficulties in keeping track. You know, I paid this in, did I cover that invoice, etc. If you actually manage it all through a bank, a business bank account, right, you can see exactly what what's what. You know, if you you know if you've got an invoice that you haven't paid, right? You know if you've got enough money to pay it. Um, you can do this by actually describing all the transactions on the banking thing, especially if it's um, internet banking. If you use a, a good description, you'll know exactly what it meant. Personally, I recommend you keep a simple record of the transactions in Excel or something like that. But the, the key thing here is you really don't have to worry about profit at this stage of your business. You can even pay your taxes on a cash basis. Right? So if, you haven't, if you've issued an invoice but they haven't paid you, and you know, it's time for you to produce your tax return, 
you just say, I didn't get the cash, so I'm not paying the tax on it. Um, so it, it, this focus on cash, A, makes everything very real and hopefully simplifies what you've got to keep track of. So just to summarize that aspect of it, right? I would argue open a business bank account, keep your business cash separate from your personal cash. That's a key step. Invoice immediately you've completed work and make sure that your terms, it's understood that your terms are payment on presentation of invoice so that you're not waiting for the money to come in, right? Now, especially if you get good customer relationships, you've done a good job, and it's been clear that those are the terms, there's no reason for people to delay paying you. So hopefully you don't have to spend a lot of time on traditional on credit control, which is ringing around saying, have you had the invoice? You know, please pay it to email. So try and minimize that by making the terms clear. Trying to draw a fixed amount from this, I know this would be extremely hard, especially in the early stages where you need the money. And so if you earn any money, you want to take it out just to keep going. But try and plan for that if you can. Um, obviously, if you're working from home, bills are in your own name. Charge a proportion of those bills to the business each month as an expense claim and take the cash out of the business for that. If you do it month on month as a regular activity, then you don't have a big backlog built up. You don't have to think, oh, did I charge for that? You know, I've got to go back and do a reconciliation. Try, as if you can, to deal with them at the time, and then you don't have to go back and try and reconcile, right? Um, there are obviously other claims you might be able to make, depending on, um, because if you're working from home and use your own computer and software, you haven't bought a machine specifically for the business. It's legitimate to claim for some of these costs. But you do need to take specific advice because everybody's tax circumstances are different. And therefore, what might be a suitable deduction for one person may not be for another. And that's outside my remit in terms of giving that tax advice. Um, so hopefully, uh, I've skated through it all very quickly. There is a lot of time for questions. But uh, just to summarize, I'm suggesting that you need to write down your goals, make this plan to achieve those goals, recognizing that you need to use your cash, your time, carefully to maximize the value you get. Um, and for me, that's about focusing on customers, uh, keeping them, getting them and keeping them, and then keep your business finances separate from your personal finances and focus on cash, keeping those records in Excel to support the transaction so you know exactly where you stand, so you know what the score is at any point in time. So hopefully, I have gone through it all very quickly and I appreciate there were figures in there and you know it's not easy to uh, take all of that in. These are my contact details. I think copies of the slides will be available. I'm very happy to have a free initial conversation with any of you if you have some specific queries. Um, and obviously, very happy to answer questions now. Thank you, Azim. Has anyone got any questions to start? I'm going to stop the share so that I have more, uh, can see more of you guys, if that's all Perfect. right. Yeah, but actually, no, sorry, I'll leave it up in case anybody wants to go back to one of the other slides. Um, I don't know if any of you want to put a question in the chat or if you want to unmute, if there's anything about maybe uh, goal setting or managing your finance. For, like for me personally, it's about setting goals for the year. So every April, I'll set a plan for the next 12 months and I'll say I want to hit um, a certain amount of um, income, basically. I don't know if any of you do the same or how you... How oh, you no, uh, I, I, I would strongly recommend that. I actually have board meetings with myself. Right, because I've incorporated my business um, mm. as a limited company. Um, and I did that for a variety of reasons. But um, the, the key thing is that you have to go through that process. I mean, if you're going to go to your bank to get a, a, um, a business account, I, I think there are some now that are much easier to do. But mm -hmm. historically, they wanted to see some cash flow projection, of what, you know, what you were going to do, etc. Mm. And I did those very seriously. And as an advisor, I started out on the assumption it would take me six months to get my first customer. Mm. Um, so, of course, I put these figures to the bank, 
And they came back saying, we don't understand. Why are you spending money when you haven't got any customers? And it's like, well, how am I going to get any customers if I don't spend some money? Right? I'm going to have to market myself. I'm get, there are a number of things I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to have broadband connectivity. I'm going to have to do research. Hmm. Right? So if you think some of those steps through, right, even, if, even if it's only in outline, I think you have the, you, you've got some, some steps that you know you have to take. And you can boil that down to, okay, this week I need to cover X. I need to get that marketing campaign done if I want to start getting prospects in time for you know the following week or the following month at least you understand the, the, the phrasing of this and, and and there's so much more than actually the work that you do so i'm sure you're all very good at what you're actually doing but you need to get these other bits in place too about you know getting a steady stream of prospects about you know, doing the work to convert prospects into customers and it's worth thinking about those things separately and, and to an extent, thinking about how much time you spend on each of those activities, because that will allow you to focus. And when you think, well, hang on a minute, I'm actually spending way too much time on A or B. Yeah, sorry, Zoe, please. Um, yeah, just following on from what you've just said, I mean, I'm very um, uh, tight with my estimates when I'm costing a job um, mm. for producing a job, say and the materials and all that kind of stuff. But your um, comments on recording the time to get the job in is really useful because I've never actually done that. And I'm aware that it takes an awful lot of time talking to people and getting to the, to the stage where they actually finally say yes. So I'm gonna, from now, make sure that I do that. And I think Theo, you mentioned um, app um, before on that you can use to record the times so I think I'll, I'll start doing that because for myself I mean I can't I don't think I can justify charging the customer for that part but it gives you a more of a realistic look of um, you know when you're trying to estimate how many jobs you should be getting in you've got a truer picture of what's involved with each job so correct and I think Zoe, from what you're saying you certainly have a number of variable costs because you're going to have materials that are associated with each as well as specific labor of your time that's associated with the job. So I would say those are variable costs, but then there's some fixed costs, which is all the stuff you have to do in the background that takes your time as well, right? Um, and so th there's two ways to, to deal with that. One is you do allocate a cost per hour to... Of, of, of the cost per hour of your time to each job for actually delivering it. Or alternatively, you say, my cost is fixed because I want to draw X thousand pounds from the business each week or each month. And therefore, actually, I'm looking at the gross margin from every, every project, which is only the materials and the stuff I actually have to spend money on because my time is covered as a fixed cost. Because you're right. I mean, like I introduced myself as being business to business. Well, that's only part of it. I also work with um, private home owners. Now, um, when I'm working business to business with companies I've worked with before, you don't have to sell to them all the time and you just get straight to the, the work and you save yourself a lot of time and you get repeat custom. Yeah. Um, so you should be charging the private homeowners more because you have to talk to them a lot to um, guide them through the journey, basically. Um, so uh, things like that are very useful to know, you know. Well, I mean, do give me a call afterwards, Zoe. I'm more than happy to chat through, because I think you're right. You've got two different segments there in terms of homeowners who need a lot of hand-holding, et cetera, right? Um, and, you know, maybe I don't know enough about making stained glass, but are there simpler products you could offer them so that, it, there's, they're not so time consuming to make, for example, but give the, the impact that, that people are looking for. Because, I mean, uh, I have somebody who's done stained glass in the past and it can be absolutely stunning, right? Um, but, but I think people probably over embellish what they want because they get excited by the possibilities and don't realize actually that costs money and actually you can still get a very strong effect from something relatively simple, but you know, well put together. I would guess. I don't know. 
but but very happy to chat about that. Is there a different way of segmenting thinking about those customers and how you arrange how you deal with them? So please do feel free to give me a call afterwards. Okay, thank you. Any other thoughts from anyone? Yuanda, did any of this re resonate with you? Yes. And I think your business is slightly different because you're a combination, aren't you? You've yes, I am a combination. And um, for me, I feel really frustrated because it just takes so much time to do so many things that don't seem to generate income for me. Um, so I do a lot of research. I do my email uh, newsletter. I answer, I do one-to-ones. I do networking. I do so many things that don't, and I kind of try and get myself out there. And then every so often people might um, ask me to do something for them, for them that's bespoke. And then um, they don't seem to appreciate the amount of time and effort that goes into it. So, yeah. Well, anything bespoke by its nature, I mean, is expensive. Because yeah. there's a lot more time from the individual concerned. Um, and, and so I think, I think that's a, a, fun, it's a sort of trap almost for many people who are running their own business. Yeah. Um, because you want it to be personal, because that's your skill. Yeah. Right? But and so somehow you have to balance the the amount of time you devote. Um, but I mean, what I would recommend, Yolanda, is that if if you are doing a lot of marketing type activities, you need to think about how much return you get from them. So you know where you do one to ones with people. I would guess you have a relatively good comeback from that because you have a chance to express exactly what you're doing and why it's important, etc. Whereas when you present to a broader group, um, it's less easy to get into those. For example, an event like this, if we had 25 people, we couldn't have this degree of, of um, Q&A at the end. Um, and sometimes that's what it needs to get to a point where you can um, you know, actually make a difference. Mm. So I, I, I sympathize with that. I mean, I think the other thing is that you need to think about the gross margin on the products that you do sell, yeah. right? Are you getting a good, good enough margin on those to justify the marketing effort that you have to put behind it? Because that's like a fixed cost. So very happy again to talk about that if you'd like to. Um, yeah, and uh, see if I can give you any, insight, any, any insights into what you might do differently. So yeah. do feel free to reach out. Yeah, I think as Zoe said, it's just um, as a person who has to do loads of stuff, um, it's just basically, you know, hopefully um, making it so that um, what you're doing is um, reusable, I suppose, you know. So, so you know, if I, if I, I do have, you know, an, a standard invoice and a standard things I, I say to people to try and make sure that, you know, they go through this path but sometimes it's not so easy because um you know you think this is going to take five minutes and it takes an hour and it and you know sometimes as it's sometimes and also the admin as well you think you know sometimes it's just some uh, quite frustrating and there's something comes up and you have to prove something and then it, it you know so but yeah it's very good thank you for that and you're right you know it shows you what you're doing and how long it takes and you know so that you can plan it plan better thank you i think i think if you, if you start to introduce some of those disciplines, it should help, right? But it is very difficult because when time is tight, the last thing you want to do is all those fiddly bits of, you know what I mean, uh, making sure I've recorded this transaction or whatever. Or, um, but, but, but the problem is if you leave it to build up, then you have a much bigger task to go back. It takes a lot longer because you can't remember what was done, etc. So that's the reason for, in your diaries, you set a small amount of time aside at the end of each week or something like that, just to say, did I make sure I covered off all the financial things? You know, if, did I issue in, did I complete any work? Have I issued the invoice? You know, did I get any invoices in? Okay, at least you know when you think about when you're gonna pay them. And it's a, if, you, if you set a few minutes aside, it depends on the scale of the business as well, of course. If you've got lots and lots of customers, then it becomes more complicated, and maybe you need to think about software to help keep track of it. But at the early stages, when you're working on your own, it really shouldn't be necessary. Um, but it does depend on the level of transactions. So again, happy to talk about that and to, on an individual basis to see if I can make some recommendations. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's probably a good time to move on to Theo's comments about productivity. Perfect, if, so I think we're all happy with that. Thank you. 
Any other questions at all for Zim before we swap over? No, great. So basically, um, I'm in a similar position as a small business, and there's a few things. Firstly, in April, I'd plan for the next year, and then I would look to organize my tasks. And then once you have your tasks, it's about working out how much time you spend on those tasks. So I'm, uh, again, this is, uh, I'm running this session on the 14th of August. So this is like a quick preview. So I apologize for any mistakes, but just to give you an idea. So April, I'll plan for the year ahead, uh, how much money I'd like to make, how many customers I'd like to work with, how many, for me, how many websites I'm going to build. And so what my monthly income is going to be. the page width? Because it's quite small to see. Sorry, sorry. You hit the new page width. Thank is you. Is it okay? That's much better. Thank you very much. No worries. So yeah, plan for the year ahead. Once you've planned, you then organize your tasks in Trello. And for me, that's on a weekly basis. I add um, things to my Trello board. Then when I'm actually working, I'm using this focus to do, uh, which is, I think Zoe mentioned it. This is about time management and knowing how long your jobs are taking. Yeah. Then it's really about all the, the little bits of admin, taking my invoices and putting them into an Excel doc, customers into an Excel doc. I don't have time to do that, so I use Zapier to automate that. Um, sorry, I've made a spelling mistake while I was typing there. I apologize. Um, and so, again, I'm going to just go and show you how that works. So for the year, maybe say I want to get 20 website builds. From those website builds, I would plan out using Trello. I've already actually created a, a guide on Trello, so I think it's Power Hour 8. We'll talk you through how to use this, how to manipulate these boards. Um, but you would, you would uh, create a new card. For example, um, Power Hour 18. You can then go into that and you can add a checklist, image, labels, contacts, whatever you need to. This is your, uh, your piece of work. This tells you what you have to do next. So once you have it plotted in Trello, you think about what work you need to do for that day or that week. And then this is where uh, focus to do. Again, on the 14th of August, I'm gonna show you in detail how to use this. Um, some of you might have heard of the Pomodoro, Pomodoro technique. Select so developers and a lot of IT people use this to stay on track. And what you would do is you type in a task and then you would estimate how long that task is gonna take you. So it's gonna take you two hours. You might then split that up into three or four 30 minute slots or 25 minute slots. For example, uh, to promote, uh, to, yeah, to promote Power Hour 18, create that. And then when I'm ready, I would start and then you get a, a focus time. So 25 minutes of pure concentration. You don't answer emails, you don't answer the phone. You just do that project for a straight 25 minutes. Obviously, if you need to do anything else, you can pause that. So if you have to go and answer the door, but then you know when you come back, your time, your time really has to be set. So that runs in the background while you're working on that project. And then it will just ring a bell and it will say to you, take a five minute break, go and stretch, go and grab a coffee. And that gives you kind of that focus, but it also tells you exactly how long, the first time you're doing it, how long that takes. So I know that to promote an event, event will take me two hours. So I can then plan my week and fit that two hours into my weekly diary. So I can move things around and I'll then, I'll have an estimate of how long the admin's gonna take. But, um, so that's the two things. So it's planning, creating your day and managing your time. And then once you've managed your time, you know which jobs, you can work out which jobs you, you can automate. So this is uh, Zapier. You can use IFTT, Zapier, Integromat. There's loads of different uh, automation tools. Uh, the three that I, I highlight, again, Zapier is there. IFTT is this. It's more like, um, uh, that's more for smart homes and Google Assistant, stuff like that. And then you've got Integromat, which is quite advanced. Um, for this group, definitely Zapier. It's nice and easy, it's quick. You just put a couple of bits together. Uh, so, for example, whenever someone subscribes to my, my email series, they automatically get put into my CRM. So I know uh, how, how they interacted with me and then I, it keeps a list. And then also, whenever I get a mailer like subscriber, it goes into an Excel. So it takes away the need to do the admin. I, I know that it's running in the background and it, it shows you, uh, it, for example, if someone sends me an, uh, send, pays an invoice, 
it will track that in an Excel for me. And it's those little bits that distract you from your, your normal working day that can really save you some time. So if you've got seven hours of work a day, it will save you probably an hour of admin and running between tasks and that disruption. Um, so again, it's really about simplifying your day, knowing how much time you're gonna spend and then saving yourself time as well. So I'll send you guys details, but yeah, it'll be, I believe, uh, Friday, Friday the 14th at 12 o'clock. We're really gonna drill into like saving yourself time. It's literally gonna be how to save yourself four hours a month to focus on other jobs. And for you wonder, for you to uh, cut out that admin time, if you want, we can use you as an example. So if you'd like, I can, I can build a zap for you to save you some time. Uh, do you guys have any questions on, I know it's quite complex, we've just gone over it briefly, but do you have any that initial questions really on it? I think Zapier in particular sounds very powerful. I think the, the time measurement tool could be useful for you, Zoe. Um, but the, the, I don't know, I think when you've got something that requires an element of creativity in terms of putting a proposal together or thinking about a design, Mm. I'm not sure whether 25 minutes may be too short a time because you're in the middle of thinking about it. You don't really want to be broken away from it. So I'm not sure that the 25 minutes necessarily works. Oh, no, you can edit that. For every job, you can you estimate the time. So if I yeah. know that a, a page will take me roughly an hour, I put an hour in. And then if I go over, it will track how long you've gone over. That's what I think would be powerful. So you yeah. can actually say, Zoe, I'm going to put aside an hour and a half to prepare this. And then you think, actually, it's more complicated. And you'll be able to think about it. And the next time that complicated one comes up, you think, actually, I know I need to do two hours or a similar type of job comes up. Exactly. And, and, for, and for that as well, it's also about giving yourself breaks. Um, for example, when I, I'm, I've taken away the personal information here, you've got CW home design. Uh, that took me about two hours, but it's just getting up and moving around and getting a change of scenery can really help as well. So if you're working on a proposal and you're, you're sitting at the computer for two hours, you get kind of uh, snow, blind, snow blindness. So that's also where it comes into it. Um, and then you can see also how long in total you spent on a certain project. So web design, uh, this week I've spent 15 hours. So it's just a nice, clear way of managing your time. Um, anyone got any questions on those? I'm really looking forward to your talk, Theo. It's going to be really good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was just going to say, what I've just been doing is updating my diary for Friday the 14th of August to make sure I'm available. Uh, just quickly, so if you go to create a zap, uh, you just imagine it's if something happens, then it will do something else in return. So you can see here Google Sheets, HubSpot. These are all my, my core ones. Um, so you've got to think about what, really what admin stuff is taking you the most time. Uh, sure. So maybe if you guys want to just, just think, oh, I'm spending a lot of time updating my CRM or updating my Excels. Going I through can, emails. I spend a lot of time going through emails. That, I mean, that would be more of a VA thing because that you need to physically see it. I mean, you can use Google to uh, create labels, but normally you'd have to respond to an email on a one-to-one -one basis. But I, what I do myself is I would add emails. Hold on. Maybe somewhere around here. Uh, my emails have become part of my daily routine. So in the morning, I spend 25 minutes on emails, and then I stop until the end of the day. Okay, that's good. Just so you're not going backwards and forwards, and you're not spending two, three, four hours a day in your emails. Brilliant, thank you. This is, this is a really interesting point, isn't it? We, unfortunately, we live in a world where you are distracted by the fact there's a beep from your phone that means somebody else is trying to get hold of you. And there's a kind of instinct to go and deal with it. Um, and I often actually switch my phone off or put it on silent for that reason, right? But of course, you do get people who say, but I tried to get hold of you. I needed you then, not now kind of thing. And it's like, well, why? Why are we putting ourselves in this place? But unfortunately, it is the way the world works. And of course, especially if it's potentially a customer, you don't want to miss it. So uh, it, it, you've got to get the balance right. You know? I mean, if, you, if somebody sends you an email and they're expecting an instant says, please send me a quote, and you don't pick it up till the following day and say, oh, of course, I'll have the quote ready for you tomorrow. And they're thinking, I wanted it today. That's why I gave it to you yesterday. You know what I mean? You, you've yeah. got to be a little bit careful. 
Um, the- well, what, what I tend to do is I, I get up and I look at all my emails, deal with those, check um, social media as well quickly, just to see if there's anything important to respond yeah. to. Then I turn off my notifications when I get to the studio and I work on the jobs that I'm doing. And then when I stop for lunch, I will then go and do social media properly. Um, Because while I'm having a sandwich, I may as well. So that's Mm. quite good. Um, Recheck my emails, see if there's anything that needs dealing with. But if I'm expecting something to come through, um, I often just check my emails on my phone, but don't switch the general notifications on just to make sure that there's nothing you know urgent coming up yeah, yeah. um and so so i think that's enough really um because the job that i do the only like just before i came on here i noticed someone had uh, some broken glass in their front door so as soon as i finish this i'll just check it's not an emergency but mm. people can wait for a, a few hours it's not otherwise it just really completely disrupts your concentration yeah. on on producing the work you know so no, there's, there's a balance i think and also for me i use my inbox as like a to-do list so every email if i haven't if it's not deleted from my inbox and i know it's something to do which right. means if i'm checking it every hour i'm going to get distracted every single hour yeah but like yeah so like morning lunch and dinner or separate yeah. points in the day definitely yeah, yeah no, um, that makes a lot of sense. The difficulty is that I, I, I catch myself doing this. I, I find I've left something in there because it didn't need immediate action. Then, of course, other things come in on top of it. And although it didn't need immediate action at the time, it's at the bottom of the pile now. And so oh, you snooze it. You snooze it. Pick it up. Um, so if I have a job for next week on, on Gmail, on G Suite, you can just snooze it for the following week. So I know that I've set... I, I know that every Tuesday morning I do my backlog. So I snooze everything for the Tuesday morning and go for it then. And we got a question from Albert actually about how would you automate invoices? Yeah. Um, so basically I've connected it to Wave. And so every time I create an invoice, it puts it into an Excel doc. So not only in my Wave dashboard, I have the price, the customer, but I have that in Excel just for future accounting. And then when they pay it as well, when that invoice is paid, it populates into another folder, so another file showing that the money's come in. So it saves you from just having to go in and deal with your database. Mm. Again, it's not, it's not Excel, it's Google Sheets, but they work exactly the same. It's just Google Sheets ties in nicely with Zapier. Uh, hold on. I was going to say, presumably Zapier, there are certain apps it will support, mm-hmm. others that it won't. Uh, you, I mean, if you're going to get advanced with it, you can actually code your own stuff in. So if it doesn't support QuickBooks or doesn't support Zero. You can make it work for you. Okay. Um, and if I mean, if you're at that level, uh, there's that Integral Map. So yeah, really, Zapier is your baseline. Yeah. And then Integral Map will be the next level up. And with that, you can do anything. Like when someone sends you an invoice, you can get it to make your lights flash and your Alexa go off, and <laughs> it's crazy what you can do. But it's really, I mean, you can. For me, I spent so long looking at them. It's really about finding what where the value is. Yes. Like what works for you? What makes what you really like saves it? you time, not just is a bit of fun, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, quite like the, I quite like the idea of Alexa it's saying, nice to have fun. Cool. So, yeah. Not you that I have Alexa, of course. Pardon, you don't have Alexa? No. no I don't no, have no, no, Mine goes off very, um, We're bordering on Luddite in this household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have Alexa. Alexi. Sorry. We don't have it, is it either? I'm I don't like the idea of having to talk to something to do it. I'd rather get up and do it myself. Exactly. <laughs> I've got a comment here from Albert. He says he loves the new snooze feature in yes. Gmail. So I think he's using that as well. Oh. And also, have we seen AQ? I have to look at this website. Accounting. Uh, accounting free accounting software. Uh, I haven't, but at the moment I love Wave. So I'll have a look at this, but I don't think it will. It'd be hard to pull me away from Wave. Yeah, um, I will look. I will check this out. Thank you, Albert. Yeah. Um, anything yeah. else before we close? No, it's been very useful. Thank you. No, I'm delighted. Yeah. Well, thank you all very much for taking the trouble to listen. I, I'm much appreciated. And there's a, a my contact details are in there, so please do feel free to give me a call. I'll happily try and help. Um, as I said, first initial call is without charge, so please do feel free to just. Let's work out what the issue is and can I help. 
Um, and if I can't, I'll be quite honest and say I can't, uh, because I don't want to waste your time. As we know, time is precious. Also, as a final thing, so you know the Enterprise Network Group on Facebook? We're going to use that as like a chat platform. So if, for example, if I put some questions on there, Azim, if you could maybe answer that for the group, and then it's just... Oh, sure. You can come back okay. to it. Uh, is this a good time to admit I don't actually have a Facebook account? I don't know. We can, we can do it very well. I did say I was a Luddite. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I have LinkedIn, which I use very badly. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not big on these things. I'm a very old-fashioned sort of person. Um, so, no, please email the questions. I know that's very old school, but email the questions and I'll sort them out. I think emails are one thing that will just never die. Like, people have all these yeah. messenger platforms, but emails, like, I still send notifications via email which you get a better response. I, I think it depends on, on how you get used to using things. My problem is that the, the killer in, in emails is the reply all, right? Mm. People are very careless about that. Actually, so for what it's worth, my productivity tip on, on email is really simple. You tell people, if you want me to do something as a result of your email, you have to have me in the to line. If mm. I'm in the CC line, it will go into a filing folder and I will look at it when I have time. But if I'm in the to box, it's because you want me to do something. If you send me emails addressed to me and there's nothing for me to do other than read them, you will go down in the list of priorities. And, and it worked really well in terms of training people, not just to copy me in for no good reason. Right? Um, I mean, admittedly, I was working in a firm that had, you know, 20, 30 people at that point. It's slightly different when you're a small group, when you're working on your own. But that notion of everybody in the group needs to know is counterproductive because nobody does any, takes any action then because they think everybody knows I'm not going to do anything. And suddenly you discover nobody's done anything. It's madness. Also, another thing about email, which uh, you should bear in mind, I use it all the time. I think it's fantastic. Um, but um, you must remember how you, the client communicates. I'm doing a job for someone and they use the telephone and they only check their email very rarely, even though they're a business person. So I was very surprised by that because mm. um, it's, it's their personal email. Um, so decisions weren't being made because I emailed them and then I was waiting for them. And then as soon as I phoned them, things were decided, you know, yeah. so it's, don't make assumptions about people. Good point. Know? Yeah, and especially your customers, because they're going to do it at their face, not yours. That's a good point. Great. So thank, thank you, you all very much. Yeah, thank you very Hope much. You that. Thank, thank you. you. That was great. Yeah. Have a nice weekend. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, have a lovely weekend. Bye. Take Thanks. care. Yeah, bye. Thank you, Albert. Bye. Bye. Bye.